This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. Got with me Chuck Nice, co host. Hey, what's happening? All right, uh, today we're going to do some explaining. Just explaining front to back. Right, oh, Three man. segments. That's become its own genre. Yeah, it is. Okay. Every time you said we're going to do some explaining, I, I almost want to look over my shoulder for my wife. <laughs> no, because, because of I Love Lucy? Uh, well, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm normally, that's where it normally, you know. Okay. So this, I guess, I don't know if we settled on a title. It's, it's stuff you thought you knew. Okay, I like it. Even stuff you never knew that you didn't know. Right. What, you're right. So oh, that's what we I like that. As a title, too. Yeah, stuff, yeah. You never knew that you never knew. Yeah, you never and so we knew. Got th- you never knew. Three segments. We're going to talk about what we really mean by temperature. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And that's one of them. Another one is going to be size and wavelength. Right on. There's stuff happening there. I don't think you knew that you knew or didn't know that you didn't know. There you go. Okay. Oh, cool. Size and wavelength. Yeah. And well, if we're talking about that, I know I didn't know. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it'll make you look twice at your microwave oven. Make sure it's designed properly. Okay. And third, we're going to talk about horsepower and how completely irrelevant it is when applied to rocket engines. Oh. <laughs> As NASA has done for decades. Makes so sense. that's on this edition on Star Talk, Stuff You Thought You Knew. Uh, we've talked a little bit about temperature before. Yes. But I, I just want to just sort of do it again. All right. So let me first tell you, in the world of physics, what temperature is. Okay? Oh, okay. Temperature only has meaning when you have an ensemble of particles that are vibrating. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So okay. you can ask, uh, how fast is everything vibrating? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you get, oh, how fast is this one and this one? And all sort of moving in, in different directions, like the molecules in a gas cloud. Or even, even in a solid object, the particles are vibrating. Right. Okay? And you can ask, what is the average kinetic energy, energy of this motion, of all those particles? So, okay, let me just ask then. Do those vibrations from these particles produce some type of measurable energy like heat. Yeah, so they bang up against your thermometer and then the thermometer gives you a reading. Oh, that is... Okay. That's kind of dope. 
I'm liking that's it dope. so okay. far. That's okay. So we're clean on that, uh, right? Yes, yeah. No problem. Okay. So what happens if you don't have any particles? Um, you should be really chilly. Like you, <laughs> you need a glass of, you need a cup of tea. It means you're chilling. Yeah. You're so chilling. Yeah, just, no, no, yeah. no. I, How do you measure the temperature of something if you don't where have there a, are no vibration uh, particles vibrating against it? So what happens in that case is because the vibrating molecules or particles are not the only thing that can put energy to your thermometer. Okay. Okay. All right. Light can do the same thing too, or electromagnetic energy, which would include light. Right. Okay, a visible light. Okay. So light goes to your thermometer as well. All right. But your th thermometer has to be able to absorb it in order to then get a temperature for you. Okay. All right. If you're trying to find the temperature of the visible light in this room, mm -hmm. and your thermometer is made of transparent glass, the visible light goes right through the glass, and you won't get the temperature of that light. Okay. So, so it's temperature is not a completely obvious thing under certain circumstances that are that are not even much of a stretch. Okay. So I'll give you another example. I once calculated, dare I say, famously calculated, how long it would take to cook a sixteen-inch pepperoni pizza on the windowsill of your home on the planet Venus. Okay, is this gluten-free we're talking? <laughs> and did you make that calculation? <laughs> I, I didn't do the gluten factor. Uh, okay. the, gl the gluten correction I didn't make. Right. All right. So it's sitting and, and there. And is there an annoying Venusian who goes, I'm sorry, do you have gluten-free? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm also vegan. <laughs> Somebody don't like vegans. No, no disrespect to vegans. It's just an old joke. How do you know somebody's a vegan? They'll tell you. Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead. So. 16 inch um, pepperoni pizza on the window ledge of the planet Venus. Right. On your house on Venus. So here's what happens. The atmosphere in Venus has like a hundred times as many particles in it per volume. So it's 100 times as dense. Ooh. So so there you have an, your pizza in the oven and there's hot air hitting it. But I have 100 times as much hot air hitting it. Okay? All of Venus so is that, one big convection oven. Pizza, pizza oven, yes. right? So there it is. All right, but, and the air is hotter. Oh, okay? okay? The air is like 900 degrees Fahrenheit. So... So, and a pizza oven's only around 500 degrees Fahrenheit. So, <laughs> so what you have 100 times the atmospheric uh, contact and 500 more Fahrenheit degrees uh, to boot. So, I calculate if it takes 15 minutes to cook a pizza and you do the fractions and you do this right. I did it. I got about seven seconds, between seven oh. and nine seconds. To cook a pepperoni pizza. Well, no, and and we'll be there in thirty minutes or less, guaranteed, <laughs> baby, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> Fifteen seconds. <laughs> no, yeah, there's a between seven and nine seconds around there. So then, as I've told you before, the geek spectrum knows no limits mm -hmm. in who's and who occupies it. All right, as I say that all the time when our good friend Charles, Charles Lou comes in. Right. All right, so I put this out there, and I and somebody called me out and said, Dr. Tyson, you neglected the radiant energy just from the gas being hot. That's in addition to the molecular contact energy that's going on at the pizza surface. Mm. And if you included that, the pizza gets cooked in like two or three seconds. Right. Not the seven seconds. So it's not only the transfer of heat from the vibrating molecules, there's the infrared light that's coming 
out of the warm oven, not only the air itself, but the walls of the cavity. That's why pizza ovens are brick ovens, right. because the, the ideal ones, because the oven is radiating to the pizza right. on top of the air. Yeah, everything around it is hot, not just the everything air. around everything. it is hot. So it's it's it. So the pizza is lose is 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 gaining energy from the air molecules directly and from the walls of the oven indirectly because of the radiant um, uh, influx of, of infrared in that case. Okay, so there's these two ways. So if you have a thermometer in the vacuum of space, what matters is how much of the photons of light is the thermometer absorbing? So if you wrap the thermometer in reflective mylar, then the temperature will just keep dropping until it reaches the temperature of the whole universe, which is damn near zero degrees. Right. Kelvins, yeah. you know, yeah. ab absolute zero. So the temperature has to do with what are you wearing? Are you? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, We've I, heard I'm this sorry, before. I, I thought we were doing that thing. <laughs> well, you know, hey, Chuck, what are you wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> no, no, it's who are you wearing, Chuck? Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot. Okay. That's the red carpet. Uh, did, you, did you wear it well? So... When they say wear lighter clothes in the summer, right. what they're saying is the air will have whatever temperature it does, but you don't want to, and it's going to be hot probably, but you don't want to add to that by absorbing light from the sun because mm -hmm. that will just add more temperature. That's why in the summertime, I just wear bike reflectors. <laughs> if you do that, just walk around with the, bike reflectors on. That's all you'll get. If, if So if you just clad your body with bike bicycle reflectors or something that is good at reflecting sunlight, which could just be... Uh, by the way, it's been rumored that, you know, all futuristic sci-fi um, space things that people wear, they're always reflective. Yeah, you have a silvery. Silver. It could be because they're living too close to their host star <laughs> and they have to keep reflecting it off to stay cool. Point is, you cannot speak singularly about the temperature of the air in any way that matters to you if you're also exposed to light that could be absorbed by what you're wearing. Uh -huh. So in the winter, it's cold out. You want as much extra energy as you can get. So wear dark clothes. The dark clothes absorb sunlight. And then the temperature inside your clothes goes higher. Than would otherwise be if it was just if we were just measuring the air, right? And that so I'm just saying that's, I, that is why in the wintertime I hang out with my black friends, and in the summertime <laughs> I hang out with my white friends, <laughs> and I'm always in the Goldilocks. The right I'm in the Goldilocks spot always. <laughs> <laughs> and in the fall and winter, you say, oh, could you back up a little, come a little... No, yeah, you move away, exactly. and, you, no, the, and you got this in the, zone. In the fall and spring, I just hang out with Puerto Ricans. So... <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Chuck is going to get this show canceled as fast as... <laughs> come on, people. Y'all can't get mad at that. Come on. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Yeah. That was good. That was good. <laughs> So I'm just saying temperature is just a little more complicated than you might otherwise think. Right. That's all. It's not just what is the air. It's how fast are your molecules vibrating and what is causing that to vibrate. And the air is how we usually think about it, but other things can make that happen as well. So that that's what I'm saying. And, and there are rules about the thermometer that gives you the official weather, weather service temperature. That thermometer is in a shadow. It's not open to the sunlight. Ah. Okay. In fact, I, I used to do this when I was growing up. I think they've corrected this. So the bank temperature time signs, you know, you, they used I to be on all banks. Time and temperature. Time and temperature, right? I would look at bank time and temperatures that were in sunlight and bank time and temperatures that were in shade. And the official air temperature might be 90 degrees. The bank thermometer would say 105 degrees. It's like, no, it's not, okay? Because you're sitting out in sunlight. Right. And you're absorbing the sun on top of the air temperature. So that misrepresents what you would feel standing in the air but in shadow, in the shadow of a tree, for example. Gotcha. And when you walk under a tree, say, oh, it's cooler under the tree, the air is the same temperature. 
So, Chuck, why is it cooler under the tree? Well, it's the absence, same as the shadow temperature. It's the absence of the light being directly on you. It's the absence of the light that you would be absorbing that would make you feel hotter. It's not just a feeling. You're actually hotter than the air temperature when you're absorbing the sunlight. Wow. That, there you go. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, so that's just, so temperature, I, mean, I could go on There's and on. There's a lot more, more to temperature than just a reading. That's the, the, Correct. Correct. And one thing I've said in multiple shows, and I'll say it again, the fact that you can see the sun in the daytime, all right, that's an obvious fact, right. means the sunlight is moving through the atmosphere, and the atmosphere is transparent to sunlight. Okay? Right. It's a visible light, at least. So, and the visible light is where the sun's energy peaks. So, if the atmosphere is transparent to the sun... The sun is not heating the air because the energy is going straight through it. Right. Oh man. I mean, well, there you go. So okay. Wait. Wait. Oh, and so okay. what? And so. Oh, so then. The, then what does it finally hit? At the ground. The ground, and then the ground warms up, and then the ground is in physical contact with the air, and the ground heats the air. So, Chuck, holding aside an exotic upper layer of the atmosphere, what I'm generally telling you is, what is the hottest part of the Earth's atmosphere? Uh, right next to the ground. Right next to the ground. And as you ascend, the temperature drops. As we all know, if you paid any attention at all to the data on the screen in an airplane, and what's the temperature outside the airplane? 40 below zero. So Icarus had it all wrong. He didn't fly too close to the... <laughs> right. His wings would have froze. They Frozen. would have fell. Correct. They, they knew nothing about thermodynamics right. when they invented the story of Icarus. That's pretty cool, man. As he ascends to get close to the sun, he would have been farther away from the sun's source of heat on Earth. And the temperature would have dropped and dropped, and his wings would have frozen and cracked. He still would have fallen, um, <laughs> but for different reasons, okay? All right, Chuck, we got to call it quits there. That's very cool. I'm so... Uh, who knew that was so... Yeah. You always surprise me, man. You always surprise me. That's the whole point of this. I guess. Okay. I, I didn't think we could get this much out of temperature. As uh, yeah, temperature, there's a lot going I, on. I, I didn't, who knew there was this much going on with temperature? And let me just say, if you go high enough in the atmosphere, you reach the ozone layer. Right. And what what does the ozone do? Um, with to what the sun? Why why do we have the ozone? Why do we like? Oh, the it ozone protects layer? us from radiation and and yeah, from, and from, harmful from rays, ultraviolet, harmful uh, rays of the sun. Okay, so to protect us, it means it absorbs it. Nice. Okay, so tell me about the temperature of the ozone layer. Yes, it, it must be really hot. because It gets hot. Yeah. And so, in fact, if you look at the temperature profile of our atmosphere, the temperature drops until you get to what we call the thermosphere, and the temperature goes back up. Because in that layer, the chemistry of the atmosphere is absorbing ultraviolet rays from the sun. And that heats that layer. Gotcha. And protects us down here on the surface. That's very cool. Uh, there, there you, you go. go. Wow. All right. Well, the only thing I really took away from this whole thing is that on Venus, no one ever says, who touched the thermostat? So... <laughs> <laughs> Plus, delivered in 30 minutes or less is way too long if they don't cook your pizza <laughs> in four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. All right, Chuck, we got to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about size and wavelength. Okay. These are two things you don't normally hear in the same sentence. This is true. But we're going to put them together in ways I, maybe you'd never thought of before when we return. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. What's more, 
FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. Hey, I'm Roy Hill Percival, and I support StarTalk on Patreon. Bringing the universe down to Earth, this is StarTalk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Welcome back to Star Talk. Things you thought you knew. Chuck, you may have heard of the wave particle duality of nature. Yes. You heard that? Light. Yeah. Is it a wave or is it a particle? It's a part- and somebody tried to Hey, you got you got wave in my particle. Hey, you got <laughs> particle in my wave. If you're over 60, you'll get that reference to a TV commercial <laughs> for yeah. Reese's Reese's peanut butter cup. Reese's peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the problem is we have a brain that wants to compartmentalize and and doesn't really blend to what feels like disparate bits of information. So people try. They invented the word wavicle. I thought that was pretty cool. Never caught on. Wavicle. Have you ever heard wavicle? Yeah, because it's just never caught on. It doesn't work. That's why. It doesn't work. But let me just give some uh, interesting examples. (laughs) Wavicle. Okay. It actually sounds like uh, something the professor from The Simpsons, Wavical, you know, Hyven, Flavin. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. So uh, before we pick up Wavical, let me just remind you that light, which in my field we call the electromagnetic spectrum, okay, is all forms of light. Most familiar to us is visible light. Okay, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. Okay. But if you go on the other side of red, you get to what? Um, infrared. Infrared, very nice. The uh, Your retina can't detect it, but it exists. We do right. have infrared sensors. It's We detect it on our skin as heat. All right, so we, oh. we can detect infrared, but not we don't see it. We feel it, though. That 
by the way, makes us sound so much cooler than we really are. Oh, with our, with our skin sensors, yeah. We've got infrared sensors. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, now uh, you go beyond the violet, you get what? Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet, so that's beyond the violet. We can't see ultraviolet either. We right. also have sensors for ultraviolet, but they're significantly time-delayed. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like black lights that just show us all the nastiness that happened in a hotel. Oh no, no, that no. What happens in in the in under quote black light is you're you're illuminating the crime scene with ultraviolet light, which you cannot see, and certain substances fluoresce under it and send you the light back in violet light that you can see. Ha-ha. So you're never seeing the ultraviolet. You're never seen no. the ultraviolet. No, 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 no. Okay, so, oh. so here we are in ultraviolet. We have ultraviolet sensors. They're just time delayed. Okay, so the okay. time delay is okay. You're out in the sun. Oh, and an hour later, you feel like you have your sun. If you have lighter colored skin, you you feel like you're you get sunburned, and you do that enough, then you get skin cancer. These are in a way detectors of ultraviolet. It's just too late for you. Right. Okay. Uh, let's go back the other end. Uh, so we had red, infrared, and you keep going in that direction on the spectrum. By the way, what's changing on the spectrum is the wavelength of the light, right? Okay. So as we go to the red, wavelengths are getting bigger and bigger. We get to ultra, we get to infrared, beyond infrared, we get to microwaves. Micro, yeah. Okay? So now I can describe the, the length of the wave, like with physical fingers and things. So a microwave is like a few millimeters to like maybe a couple of centimeters around there. Oh, wow. Just, just call it a centimeter. Yeah, a physical centimeter is... That's, is like, that's a pretty big wave. That's a big wave. That's a half an inch. And so, wow, full wave, a crest and a trough, gets manifested in that space when you have microwaves. Okay? Nice. Let's okay. go beyond that. You get to what we call radio waves. Right. So, before microwaves had their own name, they were just short wavelength radio waves. Okay. Gotcha. You've, heard, you've heard of shortwave short wave radio. Yeah. Okay. So then we said, well, there's small versions of radio waves. Let's call them microwaves. And that's why they have, they're called micro, even though they're bigger than infrared. Right. All right. That's all I'm saying here. Okay. So, so radio waves are like meters and longer. We don't have words. A radio wave can be miles in wavelength. But we don't have a different word for that. So wow. radio waves are for everything bigger than microwaves. All right, so now watch. If I want to detect a radio wave, I need a thing that's at least as big as one of the waves. Gotcha. So TV, old world TV, before it came in via cable, used antennae. Mm-hmm. How long was a TV antenna? Um, two stories. <laughs> the one on your TV exactly. was about a meter long. Right, yeah. Okay, in fact, you'd have two of them. Sticking out all over the And place. you'd extend it to about the length of the waves of the, of the radio waves you're trying to receive. Okay. All I'm saying is you can't detect waves bigger than the size of your detector. It doesn't work. Okay. Okay? It'll just wash over your detector, and your detector won't even know what happened. Right? Right. So how about microwaves? Have you ever seen a microwave um, walkie-talkies? How long is the antenna on a microwave walkie-talkie? It's about like that. That's nothing to it. It's about about a couple inches. It's like an inch and a half. There's your microwaves. That's the size of the microwaves. That's pretty wild. Uh, that's, that's, so it, it is the size to fit the situation. Right. Okay. That also means if you have a substance that prevents the transmission of any of this energy, okay. you could put holes in it, and as long as the holes are smaller than the wave, the wave is not going to get through. Whoa! Well, is that the like? So, take a look at your microwave oven. That's what I was about to say. Uh, so, so glass. Microwave? So, microwaves go through glass, no problem. Gotcha. Right. So, but 
so you have a glass thing, so microwaves and visible light go through, so you can see your food cooking. But there's something else on the other side. There's a screen. Screen, a sc yeah. And that screen is opaque to microwaves, okay? Except they put holes in it. Uh, now, that's why I got this tumor on my head. No, you stop. <laughs> is that why? <laughs> <laughs> Don't stick your head inside the microwave. So, so... Neither you nor the microwaves can see through that material except for the fact that they put holes in the material. Right. How big are the holes? They're Tiny. smaller than the size of the microwaves they're using in that oven. That's pretty wild. Microwaves cannot squeeze it's out. It's the antenna in reverse. In reverse. Oh, I like that. Very clever. Very cool. clever. So, so, so you can put holes in things. So radio telescopes. Have you ever seen right. a radio telescope? Go to a radio telescope one day. They're the the big, huge. they're huge. They're huge, and they're made of like mesh. They're like chicken wire mesh with these huge holes in it because it's de depending on which kind of radio telescope you're visiting, that the, the, the metal is reflective of radio waves, but you don't have to build the whole surface of, of metal. You can put big holes in it, makes it lighter, all right, and rain can get through and not a problem, and with because of these huge dishes, and they can take radio waves, reflect them to a focus, and there you have it. That is a uh, really, really cool. Well, let's keep going in the other direction. You ready? Okay. okay. There's more. But wait, there's more. Okay. <laughs> I was satisfied, but All yes, right. please. So let's continue. go the let's go the other direction. So we go red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. Ultraviolet, you go beyond ultraviolet, you have x-rays. X-rays. Wavelengths are getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Okay? okay. Really tiny, 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 tiny. Much smaller than the wavelengths for visible light. Okay? Aha. All right, so now watch. If I have a regular microscope and I want to see something small, mm -hmm. I cannot see anything smaller than the wavelength of the violet light I'm using in the visible spectrum. Oh, man. Because otherwise, That's it washes right over it. It would not even know it's there. Right. Okay? So, if you want to see things smaller than the wavelength of visible light, the, that would be the violet side of it, you need even smaller wavelengths of light. Interesting. So, so here's talk about getting clever. You ready? Okay. So people said, how about electrons? Right. You say, well, electrons are particles. They're not waves. They're also waves. Oh my gosh. What wavelength corresponds to electrons that we could generate in a machine? X-rays. Okay. Oh my That's gosh. Yeah. So electrons and X-rays have the same wavelength. Wow. So if I invent a microscope that uses electrons, then I'm using a wavelength of light as small as x-rays so I can see the tiniest detail. So the photographs that have this, the most exquisite detail of the smallest things are not regular microscope photographs. They're electron microscopes. Because we commandeered electrons piggybacked an electron using the x-ray wavelength that it represents to take that's why you see those bug right. pictures with yeah. the hairs and the thing that's how electron microscopes work. that's how they work isn't it clever of the human mind to do that after quantum physics we said we got the wave particle duality and i can't see anything smaller than the wavelength of violet light but i know there's got to be detail there because there's detail up until the point where it gets fuzzy well, right. let me keep going. And then you invent the electron microscope, and bada-bing, the world of, of the small continues to open to you. So that means if, so is our gamma, what's the smallest wave? Is oh, it yeah. gamma? So the smallest uh, waves that we have a word for are gamma rays. So gamma rays are, are, like, are the opposite, like, like radio waves. So it's smaller wavelengths than X-rays are gamma rays, and then we don't have it, we don't keep dividing it. So... So gamma rays that are like really, really, really small, they're still, they're still called gamma rays, yes. Okay, gotcha. So gotcha. the problem is, if you a gamma ray telescope, you have to be able to focus it. 
Okay. It's not good enough just to use the light. You, have, you need to be clever about with the machine you're making. And we know how to focus electrons because they have a charge. And so right. we can focus them down and get images and things. So, yeah. So the only thing uh, gamma rays are good for is making you a superhero. A Hulk, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's tested. We, we know. <laughs> right, we know that. <laughs> and I think it's gamma rays on, the, on Spider-Man, too. If... Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Well, there was a radioactive spider. And there was I, a radioactive spider that bit him. It bit him. And I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what, ray, what, what, what kind of rays what it was. What the machine yeah. was using to make him, yeah. you know. Yes. First of all, I just love that we went from pure science. Here's how an electron microscope <laughs> works to now exactly uh, how the Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> And this is how you become the Hulk if you want and to this do this how you in your basement. <laughs> so all I'm saying is double check your microwave oven. If your holes are the size of like a centimeter, they're too big and microwaves are leaking out. Right. If they're down around a millimeter or two, then that's a good size. You're not getting the microwave the microwaves are not getting out. There you go. There you go. So, all right. So that's a little bit um, on size and wavelengths that you might not awesome. have known uh, a connection that you might not have known was ever there. That was great. All right, Chuck, we got to take a quick break, but okay. when we come back, when we come back all kinds of stuff you never knew about horsepower. Oh, nice. In our third segment, when we return. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France, which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mère and mère somehow being different words. Tubi, it's more popular than being French. See you in there. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, time to honor some of our Patreon patrons with a Patreon shout-out for Josh Whitleaf, Kumar Vaibhav, and Daniel Davis. Hey, guys, thanks so much for your support. Without you, this show couldn't happen. So we really appreciate it. And anyone else listening who would like their very own Patreon shout-out, please go to patreon.com slash Radio and support us. We're back. Star Talk. Things you thought you knew. Our third and final segment, all about horsepower. Horsepower. If horses only knew. 
Chuck, I do a lot of a fair amount of reading of history. I, I love looking at how we used to think about things and how the advance of science and technology uh, modifies, improves, supplants whole words, whole concepts that just become obsolete. Yeah. Like, I think our parents might have been the generation that might have still called a refrigerator an icebox. Which, because it was an actual icebox. It was icebox a, it was a one literal icebox. Uh, you know, the ice man would come. In fact, my mother... Get your ice here! <laughs> ice cold ice! <laughs> is that how cold it is? It's ice cold. <laughs> and so, Chuck, uh, where was the, the space within the box where they put the ice? What part of uh, it? Hopefully up top. Up top. Cold air fall. Exactly. Cold air fall. Chuck, you, you're thermodynamically fluent. I love you, man. Okay. <laughs> and it would have a mechanism where it melted and you'd replace the pan at the bottom right. where, where the water melted. Okay. So uh, then we have, then we don't need ice for it anymore because we perfect refrigerators and it, it orphans some people's vocabulary. And, but that's fine. I don't think anyone under 60 calls it an icebox anymore. So I, I'm, I, I, I find that fun to track vocabulary, yeah. the, the evolution of vocabulary in the face of the progress of science and technology. You, so, you just reminded me of my great-grandmother, and I'm just having a fond memory right now because she lived until I was 30, and she was born in 1901 and used to routinely tell me about the Iceman and the fishmonger and the milkman that all these people came around and by the way, on horse-drawn carriage. So that's the stuff you didn't get from the market. Somebody came by and you got it outside your door. Especially since it was perishable or would, or would melt, right. It was, exactly. They couldn't just leave it at the market hoping you'd come by and get it, right. Exactly. Right, right. So, so we go from horses, which, you know, we built civilization on the back of horses. We also fought wars on the back of horses. Right? And they never got a thank you. They never got a No, there's some horse memorials in the world. Get out! To the war horses, yes. Uh, I, spoke, right. I was speaking with my sister about that. Also, many a war statue are the soldiers on a horse. So um, this is the horses are a fundamental part of that. But you're right. I don't think anyone told the horses before they went to the battle that they'd be shot at. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that was not a... They, they, we did not get. They would have a, bucked every soldier. Uh, so we use horses up until like the car is invented, right? right. So um, uh, Carl Benz sort of makes a really good version of an internal combustion engine, and then we're off to the races. Uh, so so then what happens to the horse? Well, the horse rapidly disappears, uh, especially from urban centers, and then basically from all of civilization. Much later on farms, I think, but eventually they would be replaced. With tractors. Okay. Right. So, what is the power of a horse? Well, I don't know, but let's just call it one horsepower. <laughs> okay. So, now you have a car, and what does someone who rode horses all their life call a car? A horse-drawn carriage without a horse. A horseless carriage. A horseless carriage, okay? Because that's the reference frame you're using to identify it. So, now you say... How powerful is the engine? We don't have any way to think about the power of the engine other than in reference to horses. So car engines started getting measured in horsepower. That makes sense. Horsepower. Okay, it's one horsepower. So then I know that's like what, like my horse. Two right. horsepower. Hey. Oh, I, I got a pretty nice carriage going on. Got a carriage going on. Four yeah. horsepower. Oh, four horses. This is like Cinderella. No, and six it's... horsepower is Ben Hur. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, so there you have it. Now, so power. Once we all became metrified, uh, you you can think of it in terms of watts. So, uh, one horsepower. Uh, equals about 750 watts. Okay. All right? And because power doesn't have to be how fast are you moving, it's what is your, the rate that you are consuming energy. So right. okay. uh, in the old days, hair dryers would be up around that many watts. All right? Yeah. Nowadays, and, it and they put it they, they put it on a hair dryer still. Oh, oh, 
Well, no, watts. They don't put horsepower on a hairdryer. No, the watts. Yeah, they, uh, yes, definitely put watts on it. But yeah. I'm saying, but generally, you see horsepower on on things like that are going to motion, or in some cases, I've seen horsepower on on lawnmowers, on yes. motorcycles, things yes. that have sort of engines, because that's where the deepest roots are, traceable to when horses did that work. That, right. that that's all I'm saying. Okay, so now. We are left with the completely absurd, completely absurd statement in NASA press releases of how many horsepower the shuttle rocket engines are. Oh, man, I love that. Okay. Oh, man, it's like souped-up Santa Claus. <laughs> and let me 2, just— 2,000 horses flying into the sky. <laughs> So you have NASA's press releases saying the shuttle main engine produces 37 million horsepower. Oh my God! Okay, and okay, and, and so you say ridiculous. that's powerful, but it is completely meaningless, right? Because because there are not 37 million horses <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> you will not find 37 million horses. Probably on Earth, let alone all together, uh, just hanging all out at Kennedy Space Center. Right. right exactly. So now, let's just say you could strap them together. Right. No matter how clever is your strapping, your 37 million horsepower is not going to, if it's actually made of horses, is not going to put you into orbit. No. <laughs> the right. horses are not going to ascend from Earth and go into orbit around Earth. However, it is kind of cool to start every space mission with five, four, three, two, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, start your horses. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we didn't have a term that comes to us from cars that we either then apply to, apply to rockets. It would have been nice if we had car power. Right. Right. Leave horses behind. Now we have car. So what's car power? Let's say 100 horsepower is now one oh, car man. power. Did Let's I say. Just... All right. Then we could talk about rockets and car power. If we're going to be one generation behind, I would have been okay with that. But no, they kept referencing horses, which I personally, I think is completely absurd. And like I say now, since horsepower is just a matter of power and so are watts, and we all, in the USA, we're all watt fluent. All right. Um, we could just use watts, kilowatts, that sort of thing. So, Chuck, there was a similar challenge when we detonated the first atomic bomb. Yeah. Right? So is there a unit of energy to talk about atomic bombs? No, because no one ever made one before. So let me guess. We now use exploding horse. <laughs> no, Chuck. <laughs> so, so we look back and said, "What is the biz, biggest explosion that we had before?" It's oh, dynamite. a stick of dynamite. Okay, and dynamite is TNT, and TNT, by the way, discovered by Alfred Nobel, got quite wealthy on it from it, and then created a fund to reward. Uh, science and peaceful applications of it, especially with regard to medicine. So, so TNT, a stick of TNT dynamite, was is the biggest explosion we had. So now we have an even bigger explosion. And so atomic and so atomic bombs were measured with respect to how many tons of TNT it would be. Okay? So the two bombs dropped in Japan in warfare by the United States, each of those was between 10 and 20 kilotons of TNT. 20,000 tons, kilotons, okay? That's crazy. So now watch. As we, oh, by the way, so that's a fission bomb that takes uranium and plutonium, big atoms, splits them into right. two lighter atoms, but they're, they're, those two lighter atoms when you add them back, you don't get to the original atom. There's extra energy that got converted into the bomb. Okay? That's just... All right. So we would develop 
an even more potent nuclear weapon called the hydrogen bomb, which comes from fusing hydrogen atoms together to make helium. So you take four hydrogen atoms, you get a helium atom, and you, have, you started out with more mass than you ended up. Where did the mass go? Became energy. Energy. E equals mc squared. All right. Wow. So mild hydrogen bombs are a thousand times more powerful than your atom bombs. So wow. we don't speak of them in terms of kilotons. We speak of them in terms of megatons. Nice. 10 megatons, 50 megatons. Mega as in, as in million. Right. Okay? So once again, we have these devastatingly powerful weapons, uh, and we're referencing their power by something Alfred Nobel invented a century earlier. Wow. And so to me, that's the same as, well, I mean, not identically the same, but it's, it's, it's linguistically the same as calling your refrigerator an icebox and talking right. about the power of your car in horsepower. In horsepower. Right. Right. And we're still there. So, it's still measured in megatons. It's still measured in megatons. Yeah. Is there anything bigger than a hydrogen bomb? Um, not that, well, a supernova is, is pretty big, but we, we just measure those in, in ergs with a power, very high power. Yeah, we stopped finding words for it. <laughs> we just <laughs> let's just go back to any any unit of energy and stick in the high and stick it there. Stick it there. Gotcha. Right, right. We're not we're not we're not measuring supernova in terms of horsepower <laughs> or, or, or or TNT or, or TNT. Right, right, right. This is not this is not happening. Uh, you know what would be good if we measured it. This would blend pop culture with science if we measured it in Death Star power. Yes. The power it takes to completely obliterate a planet. We can, planet. we can calculate what that is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then our hydrogen bombs would be, it's only one millionth a Death Star. Right? Um, that's <laughs> and then it becomes small rather than large. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah, you can calculate exactly how much energy it takes to completely obliterate a planet. Right. And, by the way, in Star Wars The Force Awakens, where they have the new and improved Death Star, they can kill all yes. the planets of an entire all solar system. Right. And you know where it got its energy from? Where? Okay, it sucks the energy out of a nearby star. Oh, the star. Okay, right. so it goes to a star, sucks out all the energy, contains it, and then dishes it out and take out a whole solar system all at once. So that's badass, right? That is pretty badass. Except if you actually add up all the energy of a star, it could kill a thousand planets, not just ten. <laughs> so oh, wow. they didn't do their math. Because had it they, really then the, the, dark, the dark force, the dark side would have been way more powerful than anything portrayed in that movie. You know what? We should do a show, and I don't want to offend anybody because I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but over the years, I've heard you say many, many don't get things me started. that Star Wars gets... Hold me back. That they, get it and that, that they get totally wrong. We should do a show called Star Wars is Stupid. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we should. It'd be awesome. I mean, it doesn't mean that we don't like it. It just means like, look, here's all the bad science that you find in Star Wars. I mean, like, like BB-8 is a smooth, rolling, metal, spherical ball. Right. And somehow it's not sliding uncontrollably on, on sand. Um, at, or not only sand, but on waxed floors like a bowling ball. <laughs> Dude, that'll be a great show. All right, we'll work Star on Star Wars it. is stupid. Okay. <laughs> how, to, how to cut your viewership in half, right? <laughs> so, Chuck, we got to land this plane. Oh, man. Or, or land those horses. Uh, yes, or, I was going to say, are, are we on, do we have saddles? Do we have do we saddles have to land this plane? Or, or are we going to... We gonna, Cut the red wire on the fuse to that bomb right. and bring this episode to a close. But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about stuff that yeah. people don't always know that they know. These are fun. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I'd, like, I'd like to believe it, it connects you just a little more closely to the coming and going of society and all the ways that technology touches it or doesn't. I love that. <laughs> you know? All right, this has been Star Talk. Always good to have you, Chuck. Always a pleasure. Neil deGrasse Tyson here. Keep looking up. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.